Little honeybees flying around, little green peas from the ground, buttermilk biscuits nice and brown. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table, butter beans, peas, beets, and chard, chickens running in the yard, catfish frying in that lard. Bring it to the Tennessee farm table. Cast on skillets, good and hot. Watch it steam and crack and pop. Cornbread bacon in that stove. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Pick them maters, good and ripe. Drop in black gang candy stripes. Look at them loading down those vines. Bring it to Tennessee farm table. Bring it to Tennessee Farm Table. Good Saturday morning and welcome to the Tennessee Farm Table. This is a show dedicated to the people of our region who produce, prepare, and preserve our regional foods and agricultural products. This is your hostess, Amy Campbell. The song that you just heard performed was sung by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. She's from Madisonville, Tennessee, and she's gotten incredibly popular, even sung on the Grand Ole Opry, so we're real proud of her. Today, we're setting the table with fried chicken and coleslaw. We have two different guests today, Ronnie Lundy, who's going to tell us about Anna's fried chicken, and Fred Sossman, who brings to us a story about Raymond Batista from Elizabethton, Tennessee. And I've also got a couple of songs picked out. We're going to hear a little western swing from Johnny Bond, and also from the father of bluegrass music, Bill Monroe, with our gospel number. Thank you so much for tuning in your radio dial or finding this on the computer. I'm so glad to have your good company. Now let's get started. It's really hard to find good fried chicken. You know, if you really want some good, old-fashioned fried chicken, you pretty much need to make it yourself or know somebody that knows how to make it. I visit today with Ronnie Lundy, who knows how to make good fried chicken. Ronnie is currently on tour with her brand new book called Vittles. She's been writing for years and years about food and music, especially bluegrass music. Not only is Ronnie an accomplished journalist and writer, she's also a storyteller. A couple of weeks ago, before she went on her big book tour, I went to her house in North Carolina and recorded her reading from a few of her books. Ronnie's going to read from her book, Shuck Beans, Stack Cakes, and Honest Fried Chicken, The Heart and Soul of Southern Country Kitchens. The chapter she's going to read right now for us is called Honest Fried Chicken. Honest Fried Chicken. I was born in the state of Kentucky and Colonel Harlan D. Sanders was not. So you can believe me when I say that I, not the Colonel, know the secret to making Honest Fried Chicken. Honest Fried Chicken does not come tricked out with countless secret herbs and spices. It is not quick fricasseed under pressure and will not improve in taste if left to languish under hot lamps that would be more at home in a tanning salon than in a kitchen. 
Proper fried chicken deserves to be served hot from the skillet, heaped high on a platter, hovered over by steamy, golden, tantalizing wisp of aroma. Honest fried chicken has a crust that is at once crisp and tender. When your teeth sink through it, the meat they find inside should be firm but succulent, bursting with hot juice and rich chicken flavor. One bite of chicken fried with proper attention to time and technique, and you will never ever be seduced by an imposter in a bucket again. Time is the secret to making genuinely delicious fried chicken. And that is one reason you will seldom encounter the real thing in a restaurant. Most restaurant chicken is deep fried fast at high temperatures that produce crisp hard crusts and dry flaky meat. Chicken cooked the way my mother taught me and the way her mother had been taught by her mother before her is slow fried in shallow oil in a heavy skillet that is tightly covered so the juice stays in the meat. The crust is crisp to the bite, but in the mouth becomes meltingly tender. Achieving such a crust around flavorful but fall from the bone tender chicken takes approximately 30 to 35 minutes of frying. That's just enough time to make a crisp green salad and whip up a batch of scratch biscuits to be smothered in gravy, the only accompaniments you need for a fried chicken feast. The other secret to perfect chicken is in the final crisping. This is accomplished by taking the lid off the skillet and letting the pieces cook in the open for a few minutes after the chicken is done. I'm not sure why this works, I only know it does, and the chicken served straight from the covered skillet without that crisping time will have a crust that is flavorful but mushy. Some southern cooks swear by a skillet known as a chicken frying pan. It is usually made of cast iron, is at least 10 inches wide, and the inside of the lid is studded with nipples that gather and drip the cooking juices back onto the meat, making chicken fried in such a pan juicier, or so its champions claim. I have such a pan, and it makes wonderful fried chicken, but so does my extra heavy aluminum skillet with a smooth surface lid, and I prefer to use it because it's easier to clean. In any case, you need a heavy skillet with straight sides, not a rounded, omelet-style pan, and a tight-fitting lid. I've made only one change in my mother's frying chicken technique. Like most women of her generation, she favored melted vegetable shortening for the frying medium because it was healthier than the lard favored by her mother's generation. I, in turn, have adopted canola oil. Not all vegetable oils will produce the desired crust during frying, and some, like olive or peanut oil, impart their distinctive and unsuitable flavor to the kitchen. Chicken. <laughs> but the kitchen, too. <laughs> the canola oil works just fine and contains 20% less saturated fat than shortening. That's not to suggest that my fried chicken qualifies as health food. It's still probably a cholesterol sin to eat it, but oh, what a lip-smacking, soul-satisfying, wicked delight it is. This book was written in 1989, published in 1990, and I was asked to convert recipes from lard to another type of oil, if at all possible. So that is why I say to frying canola oil. In Vittles, which was written now, what I say is use lard. (laughs) (laughs) And that makes a huge difference also, um, because the lard just gives it additional flavor and it's so good and I think 
what I learned also is that my mom switched to vegetable oil because it was impossible to find good lard mm-hmm. for it there for a long time. Mm-hmm. But we can find wonderful leaf lard now, and you should fry your chicken in that. <laughs> <laughs> Words from Ronnie Lundy. She's, That's right. And uh, goodness gracious, here we are. She's reading from Shut Beans and Stack Cakes and Honest Fried Chicken, the heart and soul of Southern Country Kitchens. Yeah. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Tennessee Farm Table. After the break, we'll return with our interview with Ronnie Lundy and our conversation about meeting Bill Monroe and covering him as a journalist and uh, his favorite kind of cake. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes to you in part from Magpie's Bakery with two convenient locations. Downtown North Knoxville, just one block north of Broadway on North Central Street, and Magpies West, now open on Bearden Hill, right inside the Village Exchange. That's just one block east of Calhoun's. A convenient pickup location for special orders and a variety of fresh baked goods daily in Pie Day on Friday. Orders can be taken in person or on the phone at both locations. Operating hours are Monday through Friday, 12 until 5, Saturday, 12 until 4, and closed on Sundays. Magpie's Bakery can accommodate most budgets and styles, from a simple rustic barn dance with pies, cookies, and cupcakes, to a country club affair with a custom creation. Magpiescakes.com. All butter, all the time. Now let's return to our interview with Ronnie Lundy, author of Shuck Beans, Stack Cakes, and Honest Fried Chicken, the heart and soul of Southern Country Kitchens. Ronnie Lundy is a very experienced food writer, and she's also written extensively on music and bluegrass. While she worked at the paper for years in Louisville, Kentucky, she covered Bill Monroe often, and she's going to share some stories about her and Bill Monroe in Apple Stack Cake. Ronnie, I love this book. Thank it's you. It's a good one. Thank you. I, I do too. That was the first book I got to write. And um, the idea was that I would talk to country and bluegrass musicians about the foods that they ate, which I used to write about music, and particularly country and bluegrass music. And I did talk to musicians about foods. That was the way that you had an entry into a conversation that that could be a little more relaxed and and comfortable than just your usual, uh, here are 10 questions about what guitar you use and and who your influences were. Um, So it was really, really interesting to do that. And you were talking about Bill Monroe earlier when I first, um, Bill was, Bill could be a very difficult interviewer, <laughs> interview. Um, um, he didn't, he didn't have a lot of patience. He didn't tolerate fools. And his list of what was foolish was much larger than <laughs> many people's. <laughs> um, and so I don't think he very much took me very seriously when I first showed up, but I told him I was going to see him again at his birthday, right around the time of his birthday. And I asked him um, if I could bring him a cake and what kind of cake he would like. And he drew back and I could see he was gonna set me a test. And he said, I like a stack cake, do you know what that is? 
And I said, I, I not only know what it is, I'm bringing you one. And we kind of warmed up after that, and we had we had some real good conversations. So, I, and he actually eventually invited uh, myself and Pat McDonough, the photographer I worked with at the Courier Journal at that time, um, to his farm in Tennessee. Which I think that, and I'm not absolutely sure of this, but I've never heard otherwise. I think that I was actually the first journalist he ever allowed to come to the farm. Mm-hmm. Um, so I attribute that to stack cake, of course, the well, miracle, the miracle food. You know? <laughs> he was really throwing down the gauntlet mm-hmm. because that's not an easy thing to make. And so, where did you learn how to make it? Oh, I was born in Corbin, Kentucky, and my whole uh, immediate family was from Corbin, and we moved to Louisville when I was a little girl, but um, we went up home. Uh, on weekend, a lot of weekends and for holidays and in the summer I spent most of my summers in Corbin and later my sister and her husband moved to London, Kentucky and I spent summers with them. So my great aunts, um, I specifically learned to make stack cake uh, the way that my great aunt Ray did. She was the stack cake maker in the family. Her sister Minnie was, uh, was the fried pie maker and their sister Johnny was the woman who uh, peeled and cut the apples, the little June apples, and dried them. I'd never thought about that sort of distribution of labor in, in their family, but they did, you know. <laughs> um, and my dad, uh, who had the same birth date as Bill Monroe, incidentally, but about the only thing I ever thought that they had in common was maybe their love for stat cake. You know? <laughs> Information about all of our guests can always be found at TennesseeFarmTable.com under the link, Listen to the Show. How about a little kitchen tidbit on fried chicken? Now, since this show is about fried chicken and coleslaw, here is a tidbit that might make your chicken better that I've just seen in different kitchens. And nobody's paying me to say this or anything like that. So, and if you know this, then forgive me for saying something you already know, but a lot of the best fried chicken I have had and that I've made, I have soaked it the night before in buttermilk. And if you can find it or have it near you, Cruz's Farm Buttermilk because there's more butterfat in it. And uh, that's the whole night before that you're going to prepare your chicken. And oh man, it makes it so much better. So there's your fried chicken tidbit. And now, let's hear from our friend, Fred Sossman. He's a food historian and teacher of Appalachian Foodways at East Tennessee State University in Johnson City. We like to call the segment of this show, Seasons Eatings. The Franklin Club, operated by North American Rayon Corporation, hosted many stylish dinners, dances, and other first-class functions in Elizabethton, Tennessee, from the 1930s until the 1970s. In 1934, young Raymond Batista, a native of the Philippines, visited North American Rayon's New York City office and was hired to move to Elizabethton and be the club's chef. He had learned to cook in the Merchant Marines, where he also honed his skills as a flyweight boxer. 
The Franklin Club quickly became a go-to spot in Upper East Tennessee for a nice meal, and Raymond eventually took over ownership, changing the name to Raymond's Fine Foods. There were a few echoes of the Philippines at Raymond's place in Elizabethton, but his menu largely consisted of regional favorites, like coleslaw. Here's how he made it. You mix together the following ingredients. One small head of cabbage, grated. One small head of lettuce, cut up. One green pepper, grated. Two carrots, grated. Three tomatoes, diced. One cup of celery, diced. One small onion, grated. And one cup of sugar. Then pour over that mixture a dressing consisting of one tablespoon of salt, one-half teaspoon of black pepper, one-half cup of vinegar, and one cup of mayonnaise. Raymond Batista died in 2006 at the age of 97, long after his restaurant closed, but people still talk about his coleslaw. For the Tennessee Farm Table, I'm Fred Saussman. Support for the Tennessee Farm Table comes to you in part by Kenner Tree Care. Family owned and operated out of Louisville, Tennessee. Kenner Tree Care is proud to support this type of local community broadcasting. A certified arborist insured for your protection, offering removal of dead or problem trees, tree pruning, storm emergencies, tree care, soil conditioning, and tree and stump removal. Contact Kenner Tree Care by phone at 865-686-8344 or by Facebook. Kenner Tree Care. Tree Care, Nature's Play. And you are tuned in to the Tennessee Farm Table on East Tennessee's own 899 WDVX. Thank you so much for everyone who called in to support during the one-day fun drive. WDVX is truly a community radio station and brings to you this type of community broadcasting. You can always make a much-needed tax-deductible donation at any time securely at WDVX.com, and you can always listen to this show on your schedule at TennesseeFarmTable.com. We want to say thank you so much for your great company here today at the Tennessee Farm Table. We hope that you can join us again right back here next week at 9 or online at TennesseeFarmTable.com. Our theme song was written by myself, Amy Campbell, and beautifully performed by East Tennessee's own Emmy Sunshine. More information about Emmy Sunshine at TheEmmySunshine.com. That's spelled T-H-E-E-M-I Sunshine.com. We want to say thank you to WDVX for bringing to you pure community broadcasting, just like this show. They are our media partner, and we couldn't do this without them. More information at WDVX.com. 
We'd love to invite you to connect with us on Twitter and Facebook at TennesseeFarmTable.com and check out our podcast on your smartphone, tablet, or computer, or on iTunes. Or just search for Tennessee Farm Table. A big list of all of our shows will appear. We hope you have a good week and keep on digging. This has been a Campbell Creative Incorporated production.